0: So, uh, former professional motorcycle racer.
1: <laughs> um, star of some of the best local AM radio in uh, Iowa.
0: And uh, expert.
1: expert on uh, how to live out of a car I was
0: for say, more than a day. Former homeless. Yeah.
2: I was a homeless at a 53 Mercury. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's a home. Fair.
0: Uh, Dave Despain, <laughs> if you could describe your dinner with racers in one word, what would it be?
2: uplifting
3: uplifting
2: uplifting okay it kind was of. in every sense an experience that made me a better human being for having eaten very expensive food on you guys dime <laughs> okay of, now that's fair yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and
1: now for dinner with racers presented by continental tire with your hosts Ryan Eversley and Sean Heckman placeholder radio sound <laughs> Hey! Dinner, dinner, with with dinner with racers! Dinner, Look at that! Dinner with racers. Dinner with racers. Hey, I am Sean Heckman. And I am Ryan Eversley. And we are traversing what, the country. Wait, we're what? In? Traversing. Okay. We went left and then we went right. True <laughs> uh, sure story. And uh, we are about uh, at the end of a four week run going uh, across 20 states and 8,000 miles to bring you a dozen free meals, and to bring us diabetes. And uh, this is also episode number three of The Robbery Trip. That's right.
0: That's right. Remember when we got robbed and then everybody on the internet knew better? Yeah. That was fun. Love oh. hearing all your hot takes.
1: So uh, speaking <laughs> of fan participation and know-it-alls, right. <laughs> uh, our next guest is somebody we have been extremely excited to meet because we were hoping he might be as cool as he seemed. And guess what he was? Jack Pat. Mr. Dave Despain. Mr. Despain. Now, we'd assume most of our listeners know who Dave Despain is, but if you don't, he is one of the preeminent sort of broadcast professionals in motorsport. Right. And we say motorsport because he has Everything. literally done all of it. Everything. Uh, short tracks, motorcycles, uh, IndyCar. Fast Master series. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, Fastmasters was part of uh, one of our favorite programs. Saturday or Thursday night thunder thunder and uh, of course he's probably most famous for a uh, very popular series on speed for several years known as wind tunnel
0: yeah one of my favorite shows to watch awesome to see his inside information that he gave us tonight and uh, I think you're really gonna like this episode What a cool guy
1: at uh, his request we headed out to the National in Athens Georgia which
0: he said was the most expensive place on his list so he really likes us
1: yeah and uh, also his idea of expensive is not Paul Tracy idea yeah, of expensive.
0: Yeah, no, no. We could do like four more Dave Spains to maybe get close to one Paul Tracy.
1: So uh, we cool. And <laughs> uh, here's uh, some of the things we're going to talk about. Dave Despain, the uh, professional motorcycle racer? Being homeless. Some pretty cool Dale Earnhardt
0: inside stories about him and Jeff Gordon.
1: And he also spoke about uh, a maybe less known kind of tumultuous relationship uh, with Daytona Beach. Oh. So, we, uh, so we once again enjoyed a lovely, lovely dinner <laughs> on a national scrapple day. Bobby Unser, is that you again? Uh, what would you all have, Ryan? Uh, I had a delightful scallops. And I had the uh, fried pork chop flavored chicken sandwich.
0: That, okay, I don't remember seeing that on the menu. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, I know. It, it was, was there. It huh? was, uh, yeah, it may have looked like a fried pork chop.
0: Okay, I do want to point out that when I ordered a cocktail because I wanted to drink with Dave Spain, they yeah. brought me like a full glass yeah. full of booze. Those hipsters. Yeah, they just had a serve up, in up place, there in yeah. Athens. They're trying to get somebody in trouble. Of course, the podcast wouldn't be possible without our lovely, lovely sponsors, Acura and Continental Tire. Continental Tire. Continental Tire. Yes. The only tire for this Continental podcast. Wow. Nope. 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 That's
1: not going in. <laughs> hey, what do you do, Tony Stewart, who's driving? Seriously, you idiots. I have to go pee. Well,
0: okay. Yeah. All fine. right.
1: All right. So, uh, yeah. Dave to Spain. Dave to Spain. Meow. 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 All right, we're going to start in five, four, three, two. Welcome.
2: <laughs> what gave <laughs> it away? How are you, to meet you, Dave. Sean, yeah. nice Hi. to meet you, man. Hey. How are you? Great, how Great. are you? Great. Cool. Welcome to Athens. Yeah. yeah. So, put that on. We'll waste no time. I listened to a couple of them. Oh, I'm sorry. Don't. I don't do podcasts. That's I don't okay. I, I don't uh, it's it's interesting. The further the rest of the world gets from the the written and printed word, uh-huh. the more important it becomes to me. Now, other than watching MotoGP, all the racing that I pay attention to I read about. Interesting. Yeah. 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 It makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, read, and it you gets you more notable or every or day.
1: Like you read digitally or, or, or you need magazines? Or what Both. You, okay. Both. I mean, I'm
2: very happy, you know, reading the, 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 the summary of whatever race on sure. whatever website. But I just, I don't watch. Sure. I, mean, I, I haven't turned a television set on in six months. Probably. Wow. wow. So okay. Good for you. never watched okay. TV. Yeah.
1: Well, that's good. Our, so our fear... Was that you do this with us? And be like, oh, this is easy, I'm and if these assholes can do it, then I can do it. So, <laughs> yeah. And we're like, well, and then, and then our, our niche is gone. I, yeah, got right. past, I got past that a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> and, I,
2: and I will compliment you guys. I thought I had a pretty good gig, but this is this is yeah, excellent. We get to eat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We <laughs> yeah. Yeah. got food.
1: Yeah. 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 The, the only flip side is sitting in a car with another dude for weeks on end. Yeah, yeah. That, that gets a little bit old. The smell. But yeah, I the understand. smell. Yeah, I yeah. Understand.
2: So you live in Athens? Yeah, I live seven or eight miles west of here, out in the woods. How long has that gone on? We came here in 89. Okay. We actually lived up in the North Georgia mountains, up around Dahlonega, near where Elliot came from. Had a wonderful place. Lived there for, I don't know, seven or eight years. My wife, the flight attendant, decided that she really wanted to be a veterinarian. Okay. So she did her pre-vet up there at North Georgia College, and then we moved here so she could go to vet school. Right. Cool. And it's great. But it's not the North Georgia mountains. Sure, yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. How did you end up in Georgia from growing up in, in Iowa? It's the story of my career. Okay. Uh, oh. And a long story it is. <laughs> I'll try to do the short version of it.
1: Oh, we have lots of time. Can't speak, for, <laughs> can't speak you. For can you can make it as long as short yeah, as you yeah, like. Yeah, do whatever yeah. you want.
2: <laughs> There's a moment in my life that I've never understood, but it was, I'm convinced it was very important. I would have been in grade school, We were on a Memorial Day camping trip at a little lake near where we live. And just just to
1: set up a little bit of bio, you were born in 46 in Fairfield, Iowa. Yeah. So this is all sort of in that Iowa.
2: Yeah. This is 20 miles from Fairfield, Iowa. Yeah. And I would have been, I don't know how old. I remember we had a 56 Ford station wagon. So sometime thereafter. sure. And we didn't have any money, so probably quite a while thereafter. But anyway... um, I remember while everybody else was going swimming and fishing and doing all the stuff, I was sitting in the front seat of the station wagon trying to tune in the Indy 500 broadcast. And that's my only memory of having any interest in the Indy 500 was listening to the radio broadcast, listening to Sid Collins. and just imagining what it was like to be there yeah no racing background in the family nobody that cared i had never been involved in it but i have that and i listen to it every year forever right um fast forward to 62 i'm a sophomore in high school my dad wants me to be a football player i'm a terrible football player i get hurt i'm sitting on the bench cold rainy night supporting the team I look up, and I see one of my classmates in the nice, warm press box with his hot girlfriend, <laughs> and he's announcing yeah, right, the yeah. football right, game. Right. And I thought, i got to find out how yeah, to get yeah, his yeah. job. That's the right. deal. Turns out that in Fairfield, Iowa, at Fairfield High School, the way you get his job is to be in the Speakers Club. Okay. Oh. We weren't sophisticated enough to have a debate team. We had the sure. Speakers Club. Okay. So I joined the Speakers Club and okay. very quickly took his job <laughs> and <Ruthless>. ended up <laughs> doing all kinds of Sports play-by-play, play. yeah, and evidence of how what a small town this is. On Saturday morning, the local radio station, 250 watt daytimer, smallest station the FCC licenses, um, would turn the operation over to the high school speakers club okay. for the voice of FHS was, and so is. at age 16 I I'm on the local radio the right. voice of F- FHS and they thought that I did well enough that they offered me a job okay so I become a paid disc jockey at the age of 16 on this tiny, nice. tiny, okay. tiny little is this radio a station
1: KMC
2: KMCD KMCD okay. yeah the station that runs down at sundown <laughs> okay. and so I'm a sophomore in high school uh, somewhere about this Point the motorcycle interest hit, and again, okay. I don't know where it came from. My parents told me if you ever come home with a motorcycle, we're kicking you out of the house. Right. Uh, no friends that had them.
1: Because so, so, I mean, most of the stories we normally hear is car, family, that kind of thing. This was none not of that. the case. None you? Of like that. you
2: absolutely. You'd want to hear that.
1: the Indy Five Hundred whatever the hell that was, and, and that was pretty and much now it. Now all of a
2: sudden yeah. I want motor. I want a Just motorcycle. on a whim.
1: Just, this is what you want.
2: And my uh, one of my friends dad was a mechanic and he built the kid a minibike a uh-huh. little home, okay. home yeah, built thing right. and the kid didn't care about it because he had a 56 Ford <laughs> he, yeah, was, you know, a car. he had yeah. a car he could fit girls. <laughs> so, yeah. and so uh, I rode it and had to hide it but I rode it all, all summer it, yeah. was my, it was my you know, transportation load by then the hook was well and truly set yeah. so despite my parents telling me that if I ever came home with a motorcycle I'd be kicked out of the house I came home with a motorcycle the day I turned 18. <laughs> Signed for it myself. Yeah. Right. And true to their word, they kicked me out of the house. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. The motorcycle was one of the worst motorcycles ever created. A 1959 Enfield Indian huh. twin, which was actually an Enfield and had nothing to do with Indian except they put a badge on the okay. tank yeah. near the end of, the, of Indian's existence. And it was my introduction to Lucas Electrics. Yeah, right. Would which, never run. which is not really a thing, yeah. So my life consisted of my motorcycle which would not run, parked in front of the radio station next to my fifty three Mercury, which I moved into when my parents kicked me <laughs> out of the house. So I had my car, my motorcycle, and my job all conveniently yeah, yeah. located. Yeah, in one it's place, all right. on was, site. Which was great, I except the Iowa winters get a little nasty. Sure, yeah. So sure. the drill was that the cops would parade or, you know, patrol yeah. all night long. So they would come by and if if they didn't see evidence that the motor was running, they'd just go on by. Yeah. If they saw that the, that the you know, saw the exhaust on a cold winter's night, they would shine the spotlight in through the window right, <laughs> yeah. and wait for me to wave to make sure that I was not gassing yeah, right, myself. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that went on for a while. Right. <laughs> so fast yeah. forward again, uh, I eventually made up with my parents. That okay. was after motorcycling led me into the television business. I'm making oh, how, many,
0: this, how many years is that?
2: 1975, I did my first television show, which is a step in this story. I yeah. should I should try to make it more linear. Okay, so <laughs> fast forward. Uh, now I'm out of high school yeah. on my own, and we form a local motorcycle club Sweet. and build okay. a racetrack. What was it called? Uh, it was the Fairfield Motorcycle Association. Okay. And I don't know that we ever actually had a name for the for the track. Or like uh, awesome but it was jackets. A, it, it was a jackets? nice little... Uh, back then, you could oil. You, yeah. you, know, you put used oil down the for gas yeah, right. control, cool. right. and it was fast. TT track, really cool. That's cool. Cool. And um, I was the announcer yeah. naturally because yeah. I'd worked at the radio station right. and had all this experience, knew how to broadcast football, and basketball. Right. But I wanted to be a racer, so I wasn't very I wasn't very good. But I got a race bike, and the drill was that I would uh, put my leathers on, go, announce everything up to the 250 heat race, right. go down, jump on my bike finish last or thereabouts (laughs) climb back up in the announcer stand and continue to announce proving again that I was better at announcing (laughs) than I was at doing but I loved flat track racing it was just so much fun and I had a buddy who was pretty good so I'd travel with him help him do my four laps of practice my four lap heat race and that was (laughs) worth having a license for I just loved it Um, that went on for several years we were also street racers I'm not proud of that but we were serious about we'd, it. We've heard
1: far worse stories in I'm the sure. last two yeah. weeks, yeah. so yeah. you're yeah. fine. Yeah. Much, yeah. recent, much yeah. more recent.
2: <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> they built Interstate 80 across Iowa during my youth. Yeah, we've done it. And in the particular section of it, they had laid all the concrete, but hadn't put the on ramps in yet. Mm-hmm. And we figured ah. out that, you know, obviously nobody could get out there. Yeah, right. So we'd, just, we'd take the bikes and go up jump over the berm and get on the asphalt make a run down and back to make sure there was nothing parked out there and and then it was on (laughs) (laughs) fast as they'd run that was the only way we we didn't drag race we didn't road race we just raced for top end that was the whole game so where are we now I decided somewhere around 1970 or 71 that, I reviewed my career and realized that I had won $35 as a flat track racer, <laughs> yeah. finishing third Big at Menden, Illinois, okay. a little short right. track, yeah. Badger short track. So I wasn't going to make a career. Of that.
1: And where are you sleeping during this time?
2: Well, by this time, I was uh, working full time at the radio station. So you actually had like a place. So I had, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. How I, long I were you in a car for? Skipped a step there. I, I spent several months in the car.
1: Right.
2: Um, all right. But then I, you know, because I had other places that were more important to spend my money. um, But the second winter, I decided I needed an apartment, so I got an apartment. Okay. um, With a bunch of other guys, didn't? Yeah, uh, yeah, normal. Yeah, guys like. So decided I needed a job. Went to the sanctioning body, the motorcycle sanctioning body, and landed a job working in their racing department, writing press releases and announcing races. Perfect job. It was wonderful. I was in heaven. And in 1975. We went to Daytona for the Daytona 200. ABC Wide World of Sports showed up at the last minute to broadcast the race and didn't have a motorcycle analyst because they didn't cover that much motorcycle. Sure, right. My boss, one of the consummate bullshitters <laughs> of all time, looked the producer in the eye and said, you should use our guy Dave. He's got a lot of electronic media experience. Right. 250 watt daytime yeah, radio say, station yeah, yeah. And, oh, <laughs> I mean, What more do you need to It's go? as
1: regional as regional markets go. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A yeah, yeah.
2: guy looked at me and he said, Go with that cameraman, go down on pit Road, look in the lens, and in 45 seconds, tell somebody who doesn't know anything about motorcycle racing why they should watch the Daytona 200. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's not hard. <laughs> right. Today, an international field of jockey-sized athletes come to the famed Daytona International Speedway for the oldest, the richest, and most prestigious race of the year, the Daytona 200. They will rocket around this historic speedway faster than Richard Petty, inches from the concrete wall, protected only by their space-age crash helmets and a thin layer of cowhide. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a motorsport spectacle you do not want to miss. Wow. 43 and a half seconds. Boom. <laughs> dead, boom. <laughs> You're hired. Yes. <laughs> My first television show was shoulder-to-shoulder with Keith Jackson on ABC Wide World of Sports in 1975, which yeah. was the most important That's a sports show deal. Yeah, like, in the yeah, world. Like, big deal. Let, let me back this up because, yeah. like,
1: okay, so I went to UCLA, went with a lot of people who had aspiring careers in journalism. They're still in deep into their 30s doing local stuff, trying to get one national spot. You've done a year of extremely low wattage AM radio.
2: Well, more than a year. A couple of years. A couple yeah. years. Yeah. Perhaps Excuse even three me. or four. <laughs> and uh, and
1: now, now you're doing the biggest national broadcast there is in sports.
2: As I have often told people, my career is largely based on dumb luck and utter bullshit. <laughs> bull nice. The dumb luck being in Daytona in 1975 <laughs> right. with and ABC. Wild and yeah. the other part we've already, you know. So
1: what's the lesson? Scamming. Scamming. Literally everyone who succeeded in motorsports has started on a scam. Some
2: sort of little lie, or it's little, a, little, it's little a little trick. Yeah. 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 Take and it till you make it. So even broadcasters. Yeah. It and went from there. I mean, I, but the dumb luck continued because <laughs> one of the people who saw the broadcast was Ken Squire. Right. Everybody knows Ken Squire, yeah. 1979 Daytona 500, and there's a fight. Yes. Yeah. Squire was at that time early in his CBS experience, and he... Was going to be doing six producing four CBS six motorcycle races in 1976. So he sees this and gets in touch and says, Uh, you want to do some more of that? And, yeah, sure. No intention of getting in the television business, right. I had this wonderful job that I absolutely loved, it made me happy, and thought, Well, this is cool. I get this TV, they right. send me a big check. Yeah, great, sure, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> so I ended up doing six races for Squire, we became acquainted. He helped me get a start at Motor Racing Network doing NASCAR turn announcing. I did a lot of that. And fast forward now to 1982, and I'm pretty well over the motorcycle job. Things have gone downhill pretty badly at the sanctioning body. And he comes to me and says, I want to do a half hour weekly racing highlight show. We're going to call it Motor Week. And it was going to be my show, but now my contract with CBS says I can't do it, Uh so I'm exclusive. So I want you to host it, and we're going to do it on Turner Broadcasting. Are you interested? Sure. So the answer to your question, how did I get to Georgia in the first place, was I loaded up my motorcycles in my 20-year-old telephone company repair van and drove to Atlanta with a 13 week deal to do Motor Week Illustrated. Yeah. And did it, did television for 35 years yeah, after right. that right. for a living. Yeah. Um, wasn't pretty at the start. Um, all my announcing experience had been essentially live PA, right. where you're yelling over the sound of the engines. And so my tendency was to yell, and that wasn't appropriate for a studio show. But. Um, Squire had a partner named Fred Reinstein. Fascinating character. I learned so much from Fred, uh, including how to the, the stage presence to be a proper studio mm-hmm. host, and also how to write for television. I was a good writer. One of the things okay. I learned in the radio business was I had to write news yeah. and sports. And you did a a PR lot. work and stuff too. And so, then yeah. the PR yeah. work. Yeah. You know, I learned how to tell a story. and all So I was a good writer, but for print, not for television, yeah, for that, right. my, my ongoing love of print comes from that background. He taught me how to use the words to supplement the pictures, let the pictures uh, yeah, tell sure, the story sure. and fill in the details. It was critically important. But he was a fascinating guy. He worked for Edward R. Murrow as a producer early on when Murrow was inventing television news. He was a news producer in Vietnam and allegedly had three helicopters shot out from under him. The so one that wow. everybody would know about it was uh, Dallas when Lee Harvey Oswald came out of the sheriff's office and Jack Ruby yeah. shot him live on, yeah. live on NBC, I believe it was. That was Fred's camera. Wow. Fred had figured out that that's where he would have him. to come out yeah, when yeah. he eventually came out. Jesus. And he convinced the police department to let him put a live camera there. Yeah. And so it was Fred's work. That uh, produced seen around the world the first yeah. ever live uh, <laughs> live broadcast of a murder. Yeah. but he and he and Squire were an amazing pair and yeah. um, kind of yin and yang and all the other creativity and sure. the production skills and uh, so I learned a great deal from them.
1: So you 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 basically uh, pack up the van on the way to Georgia. Um, so you know you've had a few good years. What's your backup plan now in case this broadcasting thing doesn't work out?
2: Didn't really have one. I, I wasn't, uh, you know, I was single. I, you know, I didn't have any money, but really, you didn't need a lot of money to live, you know, on the cheap. And I suppose it would have been something. Um, back in the motorcycle world but i don't know what it would have been i mean well I, but that's I really also a recurring theme is that I really had no idea
1: where yeah where we're going with that is there seems to be like we all grow up at least my generation grew up being taught backup plan backup plan backup plan it seems like everyone who succeeds never had one and they just kind of had to make it work
2: well yeah i think that's probably the key to it and, and whether or not you, you you know you need you have to be able to perform under pressure obviously of course uh, in order to succeed so, yeah, there's a lot of luck involved, but you got to do your homework. One of, the, one of the best lessons I learned was from Squire, and this was in the uh, Motor Racing Network days. I was a turn announcer. He was the anchor. And we were all gathered in the, in the broadcast booth at Daytona for the 500. And he's got this legal pad, and he, it's, all, it's full. And he's s- circling things and crossing things off. I said, what are you doing? He said, a professional secret. Do you know what a Brogan is? And I said, yeah, it's a shoe. He smiled and changed the subject. So I go down to be the turn announcer, and he's up in the booth, and Buddy Baker's leading the race, and here comes big Buddy Baker off turn four, puts that Brogan down and hurdles to the start-finish line. (laughs) And I went... Oh, that's uh-huh. pretty cool. Yeah. That's you know yeah. everybody else would have said you know yeah, you foot to the wheel or, or, or pedal to right. the metal or right. whatever. Puts that Brogan down. So yeah. He's
1: literally premeditating all the unique phrases he can throw out over. That's exactly
2: things. right. That's the, awesome. The, the, the legal pad was filled with phrases to describe yeah. stock car racing in terms that would. Bring Relayed. it to the yeah. to the you know Absolutely. wherever the the listener was was listening.
1: Weird. So it took a lot of prep to sound so impromptu.
2: He said he, <laughs> <laughs> he looked at me and he said there is no substitute for homework, and I took that to heart. It, um another important lesson I learned from Squire was at the Richmond Fairgrounds. Uh, it would have been my first live stock car race. And the traffic was going to be Squire opens the show. Squire throws to Despain. Despain does 30 or 40 seconds and then introduces the pit reporters. pit reporters go back to Squire, who introduces the analyst. Pretty standard. I worked on my opening 45 seconds for a week. I mean, I had the best 45 seconds in the history of race broadcasting, memorized to a T, ready to go. We have the production meeting, Fred Reinstein hosting. And he goes. He says, "Let's go around and hear what everybody has to say." Ken. Well, I'm still working on mine, Fred. Okay, Dave. And I give him the 45 seconds. Pit reporters. They give it their thing. Okay. Well, that that sounds that sounds good. Meeting adjourned. I go down and put my equipment on. Nervous, scared to death. Red light comes on. I, I Squire opens the show and does. Almost word for word, oh, my 45 oh. seconds. <laughs> no, way. no way. And throws it to me. Yeah. <laughs> Ice cold. So, yeah. yeah. Was that
1: to screw with you, or was that just how he was? Uh,
2: or he just liked it that much? I don't know. Okay. I mean, Squire was a complicated individual. Okay. Were, right. I'm sure there were a lot of different motivations. But okay. in his defense, uh, when it was all over, he. We got back together, and I was biting my tongue, and he looked at me and smiled and patted me on the back, and he said, did you learn anything today? And I said, oh, yeah. I'm oh, okay. Okay. oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, okay. it's okay to steal, but it's not okay to be stolen from. Said, you got <laughs> to <gotta> be smart <laughs> right, enough to right. not be stolen from. <laughs> wow.
1: So where are your parents in all this? Because they, they weren't too into you racing and doing the motorcycle stuff. Was there a like a? Did you grow up with a certain pressure and you had to be a doctor, had to be a lawyer, that kind of thing?
2: No, no, doctor and lawyer were way out of the way out of the league. My dad ran a huge press that cut um, flannel, cotton flannel. A mill
1: was that a mill, per chance? It was that essentially a
2: mill. A mill? A mil? Yeah. yeah like a, no. We'll get there.
1: Okay. Okay. We'll no, explain. No. It's a loaded it, question. It's a um, yeah.
2: There was a giant die with what appeared to be the shape of hands with fingers and thumbs and there would be layers of this cotton mm-hmm. flannel and you set the die in on the cotton flannel in okay. this giant ram and you push the buttons and the thing goes boom and yeah, right, pushes right. the die down through and cuts out the shape of the glove. Right. I remember walking by. I'd never been there. I, right. didn't, I didn't know what he did for a living. I knew he worked at the Glove factory. I was walking by there one day to go to my cousin's house to build forts out of cardboard or whatever. <laughs> and I peer in And then his machine was right there by the loading dock. And I look in there, two little 40-watt light bulbs lighting. The air just completely filled with this flannel lint. Yeah, right. And this giant booming machine. Mm -hmm. And here's my dad looking about three feet high. I thought, my God, don't ever let me end up. Working at something. Working like at the that. mill. Working at the mill. Yeah. When you said the mill, I thought you were. I thought it was a reference to the you know, like a machine CNC, tool. Right. No. No. Working at the mill. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And you don't even know where we're going, and you got it. Yeah.
1: So it sounds like broadcasting was a combination of love. But it was also a good way to not do the things you really didn't want to do.
2: I know, I don't know if I ever really thought about it that way, but in yeah. retrospect, that's certainly true. Yeah. Yeah. For me, the whole thing just um, it was just one lucky. Break after another. Yeah. Um, the only sort of disappointing thing about it was about co- my career. Was um, my whole motivation was to be a motorcycle guy. Yeah. I got in this business by covering a motorcycle race on television. Yeah. That's what I wanted to do. Right. I wanted to cover motorcycles on television. Well a bit naive, obviously, because there's not that much motorcycle racing. Yeah. And so I would immediately, wherever, whatever network I landed at, and I worked with most of them, I would immediately get promoted unquote, yeah, now you're doing... into car racing. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. Which, which always was a little unsatisfying to me, based on the fact that what I really wanted to do was bike racing. That said, I love all kinds of racing, and I thought it was interesting and challenging to learn new stuff. The progression was from... TBS when they uh, went under, uh, when the show went under to... Uh, well, actually, it didn't go under. It moved to ESPN. That's a long, complicated story. But uh, I go to ESPN and end up doing uh, the, the Thursday Thunder yeah. show. Yeah, which is... Yeah. It started as Saturday which Night is, Thunder. And that's kind of getting to our ear when we we're really starting of to pay childhood. attention. yeah oh, okay. so, part of so. of All I yeah.
1: mean, mid-20s.
2: <laughs> 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 MotorWeek Illustrated moved from... Turner Broadcasting to ESPN, and there was a dispute over NASCAR rights that mm-hmm. was behind all that, that was too complicated to get into. But for me, it meant that I got to continue to do the show, which I liked, in mm-hmm. part because we were allowed to cover the motorcycle highlights. Right. But when I did my deal with ESPN, part of my, my signing bonus, if you will, was that we got to produce 10 motorcycle flat track races, which is what I'd done yeah. as a kid. yeah. Um, for the network that they would air. And that was a painful introduction to the business side of television that it took me a while to get over. Um, but the point, and, and there was supposed to be a motorcycle show as part of the package, and right. that eventually went away too. Oh, but that was a, a, a theme throughout. In fact, when I went to Speed Vision, yeah. later to become Speed, home of Wind Tunnel, which right. is how a lot of people know me, I went to SpeedVision to be their motorcycle right. guy. Yeah, right.
1: And when you say the ugly side of the business, so to speak, in other words, the demand just was never there. In other words, like you went in trying to package in motorcycle well, events.
2: Well, you know, we, w- we would deliver them a half-hour show of, a, of the highlights of a flat track race that would include the best heat race, right. highlights from the rest of the heat races, and the main event. Yeah. And it would be divided into four or five segments, whatever they needed for yeah, a half yeah. hour. Right. We sold the commercials. It aired after football, uh, after live yeah, football. right. I so the purpose of that show was to get the network back on time. If the football broadcast ended at, Yeah, you, you had to make it sort of extend out. So they know, would, you know, minutes. they would air the, you know, yeah, so the, the, the game first 15, half of the main event. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then the heat rays highlights. Right. Yeah. And then another section of the main And never show the finish. Right, it was right. Stuff like that. Okay. I mean, it was just mad Mm -hmm. because they didn't care right and i care they told you you were gonna get to yeah yeah Yeah. yeah. so that was that was a little frustrating but but the point of that is the continued theme of wanting to be a motorcycle television guy and ending up instead having to or getting to depending how you look at it and it was both right cover all these other forms of motorsports that were fascinating right my first midget race usac midget race that i ever saw was the first night of thunder thursday night thunder i love that show that was one you remember the album. open they have big hearts and a whole lot of horsepower yeah, brave yeah. souls and the will to win terry lingner was the producer of the show and and he doesn't screw up much but they had forgotten that that needed to be voiced it needed it was all edited but it didn't. No, oh, they a, just never
1: did the. It VO. didn't have a
2: script. Okay. And that had just slipped through the crack. <laughs> Wait
1: till so they're like 30 seconds from air and like. No, oh, it, shit. Wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. It
2: wasn't quite that dramatic. Okay. We were three hours to air. Okay. And I'm doing the you know the and buys as I like to call them the, yep. the billboards brought yep. to you by right. and buy sure, yeah, and yeah, yeah. buy yeah. and a uh, couple of features that were scripted that needed to be voiced and I'm actually literally walking out of the booth and the headphones light up and it's. Like, did you voice the T's? I mean the open? Oh. and I said, uh, They said, Did you voice the open? I went, I don't know what the open is. Right. I haven't seen that. Yeah. First time here, don't know anything about what I'm doing. I'm new here. Yeah. And they said, Oh, well yeah, the open needs a needs a voice track. I said, Well that's no problem. What's the where's the script? Well it isn't written either. <laughs> <laughs> and it was one of those moments. I thought about it several times since yeah. You hear about songwriters that this happens to, maybe artists of other, of other ilk where the work comes to them mm-hmm. complete, Yeah. and that's what happened to me. They played it, and I said, play it again, and they played it the second time, and the second time they did it, I had the whole script in my head, yeah. wow. so the third time we recorded it, yeah. and then it was, uh, they live for Saturday night. Yeah. The punchline was, they live for Saturday night, Right. because it was a Saturday night show at Ventura. Uh, Fairgrounds Raceway in California. Yeah. When it moved yeah. back to Indianapolis, it became they live the for the sound thunder. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the timing was perfect. I finished up right on the beat, mm-hmm. and the lightning bolt came, yeah. and that the big awesome. thunder graphic, yeah. and then, yeah. Yeah. and it was just it was it was just perfect. I yeah. couldn't have done it better. And right. I just all I could think was, well, thank you for, to whoever sent that my way. I really appreciate it. <laughs> right. yeah. <thing>. Yeah. So <laughs> then I go down to do the open of the show. I've never seen him. it's, it's also his. why he wouldn't have made it his driver. They were like, "Oh yeah, no, I did that, Al." Yeah, yeah, that no, was all. That was all me. I, yeah, yeah, I had yeah. that all. I had that <laughs> all under control from the get-go. <laughs> yeah, handled it. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Those guys screwed it up, but I fixed it. for them, <laughs> Saved their asses. <laughs> okay, so you know race car drivers. <laughs> <laughs> so we get all done with the with the preliminaries, and I go down, and the Terry Lingner has the producer has this. Uh, semi-elaborate open plan where the cars are going to be on the racetrack. I'm going to be over in turn three, and I'm going to walk and talk and finish just at the right moment. The cars are going to come by me as I throw it up to the booth to Gary and Larry, and, and away we go. Right. And it was perfect. It just was perfect. And I thought, man, this we're on a roll here. This is really going to be good. Cars come around <laughs> the next time to take the green flag. They throw the green flag. They charge into turn one. Rick Sexton climbs the wheel of a guy in front of him. And launches the car straight into the air, right up out of the middle of the pack, high enough that it hung the, the right rear on the top of the catch fence. Wow. He's got no arm restraint, so yeah. he's hanging out of the car. And he's unconscious, and I'm at the other end of the racetrack, and they're yelling, at my, get down there, get down there, get down there. I'm like, okay. And yeah, I go sure. yeah, yeah, hustling yeah. down and thinking a couple of things. <laughs> One— is it like this all the time? Yeah, I mean, exactly. this is this the, is the a first hundred day. yards yeah. of, of a <laughs> rigid race that I've ever seen. And the other is, what am I going to say? <laughs> yeah, what's the tact? Right. You know, what, you're what, supposed to have yeah, Something like yeah, that. But yeah. that was the, that was the drill back then. Was you know, you're on the scene and you're going to report and tell everybody that, as you can see, yeah. the unconscious <laughs> driver is dangling from his car high above the raceway. <laughs> what can I possibly add to this except that I hope he's okay, which he was. Yeah, right. <laughs> But it was a Startling introduction, yeah. big-time midget racing.
1: <laughs> you know, what I always remember loving about Thunder, yes, it was primarily uh, short track stuff, but but it seemed like you were really enjoying what you were doing. And yeah. I, I almost kind of wonder if there, you may not agree with this, but it, it seemed like you've always had kind of a counterculture vibe to you, per se, within the very small world of motorsport, um, and it seemed like this was right up your alley in the sense that the people here are passionate. It's not the mainstream Mm -hmm. sport to go out and watch. You know, this is a form of racing that everybody can appreciate if you're a real racer.
2: Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that it's a direct connection, but I believe that one of the things that separated me from a lot of other people who do what I do, and many of whom do it very, very well, is that I never, I intentionally and consciously never lost the fan perspective because that's what I was first right. right. and I tried very hard once I became a broadcaster to maintain that perspective to right. look at yeah. the sport as a fan to think of it as a, as a fan and not to take myself too seriously Yeah. because how many guys who do what I do how many now it's it was guys when I started now it's males yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and females take themselves w- yeah. way way too seriously yeah. so I just made a point to never do that right while you guys peruse the menu, I will tell you maybe my favorite Thunder story. Oh, yeah. at least well, we have we Indianapolis have Raceway Park, pretty intimidating racetrack, very fast, yeah. a lot of bank, and you know such that the, the it's a hard place to get out of because uh-huh. the catch fence actually angles right. with yeah. the banking and they've I mean, yeah. got the lip on it at the side, so right. it takes a it takes a big crash to yeah, get yeah. out of that joint. Bob Ciccone was a big name. USAC an open-wheel guy both on pavement and dirt uh, and bald is a cue ball okay and sponsored by a hair products company <laughs> i want to say gelati but i'm not 100 percent sure that's right something close to that okay italian name um and he was a great representative he got he got gelati into every interview okay. he was he always took care of the sponsor and just with a funny, funny, funny guy. I mean, you would go to Ciccone intentionally sometime during the the, the day just because you knew he'd make you land. Get a one-liner out of So <laughs> down the backstretch, I don't remember the circumstances, launches over the fence out of turn three, mm-hmm. and we're thinking this is probably going to be ugly. bad. Yeah. So we had a golf car, basically, with the cameraman and the light guy and the driver and me and... So there are four of us and a bunch of equipment, and we don't know how to get out there. Right. You know the, the, yeah, the oval. You got the drag strip on one side and the road course. So there's all these fences. Yeah, there, yeah, you know, right, exactly. Where right. they go, and we're trying to figure out how to get to where he is. Right. We finally get there, and here's the track manager standing, you know, 20 feet, 30 feet from the car and the ambulance, with his arms crossed. As we come driving up, and he's like, "You can't go back there." Bill, come come on. on, yeah, yeah, we're, yeah. We're here every week. We know what we're doing. It's ugly. We're not going to show it. Right, yeah. we're, not gonna, we're not going back there. <laughs> so I raised my voice a little bit and said, Look, we really, really need to tell people something. If he's okay, we want to tell them that. And if he's not, at about that time, I, I hear because what I'm hearing is in my headphones, yeah. I hear this voice, like, Dave, Dave. <laughs> I figure out it's Ciccone. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I point. And the guy turns around and looks and said, "I guess it's okay." Yeah, they're they're extricating him from the car on the backboard. Right. When he heard me yelling over yelling, there, yeah. and so he's yelling. <laughs> yeah. And they've got you know they've got the gauze yeah, off to keep halo. his head from yeah, turning, yeah. so he can only just stare, stare <laughs> at the sky. <laughs> right. As they're lifting him out of the car, he says, "Be sure and tell him that gelati hair products has saved my life again." <laughs> Company man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Company <laughs> man. That's one my, amazing. One of my heroes. That's awesome. <laughs> so when when we were exchanging emails to, to get you here, you made it very clear, I'm retired, I'm not current. Yeah. Um, and in my head, I'm like, are you really retired?
2: Well, at- I'm going to host the PRI breakfast, which I do every year. Okay. I've done that for... Ten years now, so yeah. I kept that gig. But that's my only really. And you're happy with that? You're that's not. That's uh, real gig.
1: Because uh, it's, yeah. it's very common for somebody to, you know, step away and then realize, oh no, no I can't do this. No, right? no, no, yeah. no, no. You're happy just to ride till to last. Business,
2: business has changed in ways that, for the most part, don't interest me. Yeah, I mean it's it's great that there's a lot of it, uh, but I, you know, I felt like I was sort of part of the. I consider it a downturn I guess. I don't think it's necessarily a good thing to broadcast every lap of practice and right. qualifying right. and yeah. you know, morning. When it becomes so saturated and, that it's just not a yeah. good oh, story. Yeah. 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 And what 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 happens is, you know, there are only so many good stories. Yeah. Right. And it, it, it just you know, as you expand yeah, the product yeah, yeah. it gets thinner. Yeah, so yeah. now you start making yeah. stuff yeah, up. There's not that much stuff happens. Yeah. Well, we, yeah. yeah, this
0: I don't I'm sure you might not know the name, Ross Chastain, he's racing NASCAR mm-hmm. now. He's the watermelon kid. Yeah. Every time they mention him, it's like, and again, he's a watermelon far- farmer. And again, he's a watermelon. And it's like, yeah. guys, we got it. Yeah. You know, but they don't have anything because yeah. they're putting everything on TV all the time. We're like, we get yeah. the watermelon thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And anyone can have a podcast now. <laughs> so even us. not. You know. Really?
2: Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> you mean I could
0: do this? Yeah. Even, even you, Dave, just been.
1: All right. So a couple other uh, tidbits I've got, um, again, from an anonymous Source name, Robert. Uh, <laughs> so I am told during your MRN days you were fired mid-race.
2: I got fired at Daytona the first year I went there, 72, I think. They they had what was called a Codafone. You would not I remember I have no idea what that is. Yeah, it was a telephone time. answering machine. Okay. And you could leave. My job as a past radio guy was to go do a 30 to 60 second summary of the day's activity okay. that radio stations could this then call the number and record it. And and get it. Yeah, yeah, and that okay. was an MRM service. Why did they just email it? So they were popping, this was the motorcycle race, okay. at 200. They were having horrendous tire problems.
1: Oh.
2: And yeah. this was Goodyear tires. Right. And so I hustled down to the to the uh, Codafone machine to report that they were having tire problems at Daytona. Yeah. And En route. Actually saw some. I think he was Finnish guy go high enough that you could that I saw him over the top of those canopies that cover the pits. <laughs> it was it was yeah. awful. Okay, and he was about the tenth guy to blow a tire. So I reported that they were having tire right. problems at Daytona. Right, and were considering either shortening the race or dividing it into 200 mile segments. Yeah, and it wasn't. 10 minutes before I heard a page, Dave Despain, please report to Jim Foster's office. Jim Foster was the PR director or something. I don't know. And he looked me in the eye and said, quote, boy, we don't have tire problems at Daytona. You're done with the Codifone job. Mm.
1: Oh. Oh. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Actually, so on that token, uh, again, I don't, this is just stuff I get third-hand. Um, but I was told, speaking of Daytona, that you were recruited by the Franz family uh, to work on their motorcycle franchise, and you turned it down, and that might have worked against your career. True. Okay.
2: Uh, pretty much, pretty much exactly true. Okay. Was this and when was I'm this? trying to think again? This would have been, this would have been a product of my first trip to Daytona. Okay. Um, to do the motorcycles in '72, I think. Um, Because of my radio background, that that had some yeah. value. And this um, is It's not
1: like you're Dave Spain that you were later into the 90s. No, no, no. God, this no, no. Like, I this is, the, you're just some kid. I was at this the point flack
2: from the, from the yeah. motorcycle sanctioning. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. But they were looking for somebody to serve as publicist for the sports cars and the motorcycles. Okay. Which they, you know, okay. kind of paired up because the motorcycles weren't a yeah. full time thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, we, about two thirds of the way through the week, my friend Dave Welsh, fellow AMA staff member, says, Are you going home right after the race? He said, well, yeah, I was planning on it. I had ridden my motorcycle down. Right. And uh, he said, Well, Jim France wants us to go fishing. And I went, Really? He said, Yeah. Can't say no to that. Well, Jim France at that point was not that far removed from his Boltaco flat track
3: right. days yeah, yeah, yeah. at, the, at the stadium.
2: So. Um, I, yeah, sure. Why not? So we go down and report to the dock where we're supposed to be on Monday morning, and here's the, here's the Queen France, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> whatever the yacht is. It's right. not exactly yeah. a fishing boat, right? Big boat. Yeah. And we go out, and we fish, and we drink, and we tell stories. And at the end of the day, Jim offers me the job of, which became, I think, Larry Belusky maybe instead of me. Um, and told me that what it paid, which was exactly what I was making at the AMA, but I would get the use of a uh, Pace car, Pontiac Pace car, for the year. And for him, I'm sure it was a foregone conclusion that I would jump yeah, at the opportunity. Yeah, you did not, right. And I said, well, can I think about it? He, yeah, sure. Call me. So I called him. I I don't think so. I like my job a lot, and I just started, and I don't really want to change now. Yeah. You know, maybe somewhere down the road I might be interested.
1: And It really was that simple. Yeah. You just like where you were at, and you didn't want to. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. There
2: was nothing. There was, I mean, at that point, I didn't have any big issues with the France family when no, 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 came sure. later. Right, oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, there it is. But you know, I've I've always wondered how that affected my subsequent relations with the with the uh, the family. Not long before he died, Bill France told a guy who, at that point, I guess in time, was my immediate superior at speed um, that I should have been kicked out of the business years ago. And I couldn't imagine. I mean, all I could think about was when Tim Richmond was a big story trying to get back into the 500 when NASCAR knew he had AIDS. Everybody else didn't know what he had. Um, and, you know, we had him on Motor Week Illustrated and you know, I suggested that if NASCAR wanted to, they, they, you know, they kept him out on the strength of a drug test, for which they did not have the results yet because they were in the mail. Well, come on. You know, I mean, FedEx existed, by you? then. <laughs> you know? um, so I thought it was all pretty bogus, and I said so on the air. I said, if they want to be a big league sport, they're going to have to have a big league drug policy. Now, I always assumed that was what made Bill unhappy. Turned out what made him unhappy was a magazine profile that I wrote on him for the AMA magazine in the 70s in which he swore prolifically <laughs> and I put the little swearing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rather yeah. than just that clean, clean up. yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And forty five years later oh, wow. Wow. he still got a grudge. <laughs> we had at least one call during the the, the, the wind tunnel era from Somebody very very high in the NASCAR organization suggesting that that show should be canceled.
1: Really? And when, or I was should, this when Speed and NASCAR had so much going on together?
2: Well, yeah, we yeah. were you know, we were pretty connected by that point. I don't remember all the connections, but it was you know, we were definitely in the family. And uh, my boss, bless his heart, said we're not gonna do that. Right. Well then could you just have him not cover NASCAR anymore? <laughs> <laughs> I mean they just Wow. That's yep. how they think. Yeah, yeah, right. should, We should be able to dictate yeah, how the world We control operates. the message. And, yeah. And so I didn't fit in very well.
1: How often are you on Instagram? Hmm? How often are you on Instagram?
2: Whenever there's a link to an Instagram thing on Twitter. Okay. Because I, you know. <laughs> okay. It, okay. It, it, so you it really takes, are on Twitter. It takes me to the uh, to the periphery of my uh, envelope to to, uh, to be on Twitter. Okay. Sure. sure. So, Instagram, so Twitter's your to, limit. That's as far as you're going to get. Yeah, you're to like, learn how to do Instagram. Facebook forget it no okay so um, twitter only yeah, twitter 2012 only. is your cutoff facebook uh, my introduction to facebook in, in facebook's defense uh, probably wasn't fair because being a guy that people know at least in the racing business uh you know when you when you go on facebook as yourself you're gonna generate a certain level of interest and the network Speed obviously, as social media became a very important component of, you know, ratings and performance and yeah. all the rest of that, they wanted me to have a Facebook page, so I did, and in about two weeks, I was just overwhelmed with the number of pictures of grandchildren of people that I didn't <laughs> know, right, right, that filled my whatever yeah, yeah, you call yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah and I had people explain to me how to make that stop and all the rest of it. And I just found Grandpa
1: it. to Spain needs another help on notifications.
2: Uh, exactly. exactly. Okay. again. Exactly. Yeah. And, I, and I make no bones about being a Luddite. I mean, it's the fact of life. <laughs> I can't change it. It's just like being slow when I try to be a motorcycle. Except definitely the it's first time we've had that word on our show. Yeah, that's life. our yeah. first Luddite. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, good. Yeah. <laughs> I hope there's a wall somewhere where you write that kind of stuff down. Yeah. A little folder. <laughs> yeah. Um, I should tell you my uh, my... Two racing stories, war stories of my own. Okay, because yeah. I actually did. Would love to hear. I that. did. Race. I don't, we yeah. don't
1: know much about David' being the racer. <laughs> <laughs> like there, there might be a reason. Yeah.
2: You and a lot of other people don't know very much. Um, I want to be a flat tracker. Yeah. And we built the racetrack in my little hometown, the motorcycle club, and uh, we were out there one day building bleachers and drinking beer, and. Became braver as the afternoon went along and finally decided we had to go out there and make some laps. This my buddy and I who both thought we wanted to be racers and neither of us figured we had it in us. We took our Woods bikes. We called them boonie bikes because in Iowa the boonies are called boonies. And this is the bike you ride in the boonies. And we took our boonie bikes out and ran around and found out we could slide and do the fun things that you do when you dirt race. So I bought a real, you know, 250 Boltaco race bike and started racing. And as I mentioned earlier, whether it made the edit or not, I don't know, won $35 in my career and decided I'm going to have to get a job. So I had decided to retire. And just as I made that decision, the AMA announced that they were going to run novices, which I was. I was a fifth-year novice. Knowledgeable dirt trackers will know the significance of being a fifth-year novice. Um, they were going to run the mile dirt track at Sedalia, which no longer exists. It's now parking for the half mile, um, a track where we went for years and watched the Grand National Racing. They were going to run a non-national mile and include novices. Okay. I got to do that. Yeah, I, assume m- I
1: assume a mile in the... In the Scale of flat track is scary big. S- Super mild, mild
2: yeah. Oval is yeah, yeah. that yeah, sounds that's horrendously that frightening. Race. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 that sounds yeah. terrifying to me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's to awesome. the extent that on a two-fifty, you know, you're going to be running wide open. Yeah. You're not yeah. going to shut right. off. Yeah. So, so we just took just my taco out yeah. on the blacktop with my buddy's Camaro and figured out through jetting and, and uh, gear ratio experimentation that it would run 87 miles an hour. Okay. And got to Sedalia, and the race was in the morning which is odd, yeah. but they had a car race in the afternoon. They also had a car race the night before, which okay. meant that the racetrack, untouched in the interim, yeah, was right. not pretty. Yeah, not no yeah. in right. yeah. right. um, the right. There was an enterprising uh, uh, concessionaire who realized, you know what, they're going to be having uh, registration at about 6 o'clock in the morning. Right. I should set up my Italian sausage sandwich concession <laughs> at the entrance <laughs> to the pit gate. Good idea. So yeah. I wolfed down a couple of those at six in the morning. Later when it got to be hundred degrees, I kinda regretted that. Yeah, right. But the 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 highlight of my racing life was that the national announcer, Roxy Rockwood, announced the race. I qualified, only main event I ever made in my AMA career, seventeenth in a twenty rider field, and Not last. heard Not sat last. there, pushed pushed my motorcycle yep. up to yep. the line as Roxy Rockwood says and starting 17th from Fairfield Iowa on the Boltaco Dave Despain yep. and if I had died at that moment would, it would have been, okay. been yeah. yeah yeah that's awesome <laughs> right. at that time there were singles uh Boltaco Suzuki Yamahas mm-hmm. but there were also Yamaha twins which were road race motors that made about double the horsepower mm-hmm. of the singles And the hot ticket was to have that motor in a flat track frame. And most of those were in California. They were Ascot bikes. Yeah, right. Six of them had showed up. They were the first six. That was the front row. The rest of the singles were all behind them. They throw the green flag, and those guys go Mm -hmm. and disappear and go have their own race. And the 13 of us who remained, one guy broke. The 13 of us who were left ran the entire, I think it was 10 laps, in a you know space about the size of this table right oh, because cool. it Notes turned too. out yeah. everybody could run 87 miles yeah, right, 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 right. Right. an hour right. it was just this giant drafting derby yeah. bag it was the oh, most exciting so cool. thing awesome. ever yeah. 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 yeah and i ended up 13th right. yeah. and that was the end of yeah. my so at that point you're like dirt good? oh yeah oh, well i already I'm, made up i i had my yeah. ama job at that point yeah, so okay. i was just en route to to my new job so that was just a nice way to finish it off okay And then, too many years later, when I turned (laughs) 40, it's a long story. The short version of it is I celebrated my midlife crisis by taking up road racing.
4: Yeah.
2: Age 40. Yeah, right. And had the misfortune of winning a novice race at Savannah. (laughs) Rolling Road. Rolling Road. Yeah, yeah. And thought... Hey, all right. Hey, here, <laughs> are, they're 18, yeah, I'm 40. I can do, do not that yeah, yeah. It's all right. So not long thereafter, um, <laughs> and I was riding a uh, uh, Kawasaki Ninja, uh-huh. which was 900cc, four, inline four, yep. big long wheelbase, very forgiving, easy to ride. The rule makers in their infinite wisdom determined that novices should not be allowed to ride anything bigger than a 750. Okay. And so the year the GSXR – 750 suzuki came yep. out they passed that rule and i had to get a Jixer right which was you know peaky and wicked yeah. fast i wanted one way of those so bad more difficult to ride the Jixer
0: 750 was like yeah. the high school bike like you yeah. had one of those you yeah. were doing great you, you were <laughs> yeah. Done. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. you're gonna get girls yeah. it's gonna be great
2: yeah. or get hurt <laughs> Or <laughs> die <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. so we're uh in the d production main event and duking it out with two other guys for probably seventh place and i don't know what turn they call it now but it's the last turn you know the long sweeper before you go out onto the straightaway and i'm in this huge scrap with these two guys and we've passed each other back and forth and i'm ahead of both of them as we come out to come to the checkered flag and the wind had been blowing and it was and it was trying to rain all day and just as you know just about time to start picking it up I got this slap across the face shield like somebody hit me with a wet washcloth. And I don't think there was enough – it had obviously started to rain, but I don't think there was enough moisture on the track to cause the crash. I think it just distracted me enough, and I lost the bike and laid it down on my right leg, as it turned out, although I didn't know that at the time. And off into the grass I go thinking – this is a really bad place to crash because we're going really fast, well over 100 mile an hour. I let go of the bike, and it just slides and slides and slides. It doesn't flip, doesn't tumble. Nothing trips it. It keeps sliding. I'm on my butt with my feet out in front of me watching the bike thinking, nothing bad's happened yet. Nothing bad's happened yet. Nothing bad's happened yet. And the bike stops, and I stop, and about a second later, in the middle of my back. Oh. And the, the guy, guy the the, the, yeah. the next guy comes sliding up to a stop right beside me. And we look at each other, and I realize it's his motorcycle yeah. that's hit he me in the back. In the back. Yeah. And as he's looking at me, and I'm looking at him, he gets the big eyes. Oh, and no. I look, yeah. and here's the third guy's oh, motorcycle. <laughs> and it's still on the suspension. going boing, ga boing, go boing. And he slides up to a stop. Yeah. And the three of us look at each other, and, you know, I mean, if a guy goes off and, and we, it was called nine. Yeah. I remember being That's nine. It's right. not turned nine. But anyway, if somebody went off in nine, that was a big deal. Yeah, right. yeah. If three guys went off in nine, yeah. it was DEF CON. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The <laughs> ambulance, yeah. police cars. Yeah. And as it turned out, we, we all thought we were all okay. But yeah. when they started to pull, I told him my leg hurt. He said, well, let's take a look at it. We pulled on my boot. I felt the bone move. Oh, no. I said, I got a broken leg. They said, really? I said, yeah, I felt it. Too much. <laughs> I don't remember how they got the boot off, but anyway, long story short, spiral fracture of the big the tibia. Um, it was probably in 10 pieces, and nothing moved. I slid all the way and came to a stop, and it didn't displace. Went to the hospital. The guy looked at it and said, I'm going to put it in a cast, and if you right. don't do anything stupid, you'll be <laughs> fine. A week later was Sebring. I'm working for for you know Turner Broadcasting right. at the time and the aforementioned producer Fred Reinstein he of the Lee Harvey Oswald cam mm-hmm. decided that I was going to open the show I'm the host of the show he decided that I needed to walk across the front row oh you got to do it for no reason whatsoever <laughs> yeah right, right other than the me. Yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> to play it games? just as easy he stood by the pole yeah. did the same thing. and he said I hope you learned your lesson I said yeah I'm, I'm <laughs> done trying to be a racer Fred nice but I I went just fast enough to appreciate what it takes to go yeah. fast.
1: Who would you say was sort of the, the ultimate mentor for you?
2: Well, it would be Squire and Oconomacky, yeah. along with Reinstein, yeah. the, the sort of behind-the-scenes yeah. guy. Like I can't guy think of anybody that would have been any more influential or that i learned more from than, than, than those, those guys three. Guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there were lots of guys that i you know admired and learned from and stole from thanks to squire's uh, advice and yeah. yeah, lesson advice and, and, yeah, yeah on the job lesson but is those there, were they were the big ones yeah
1: now you're not far enough removed for there to sort of be a dave displaying for somebody to have taken that moniker but do you see any sort of young broadcaster or even racer turn broadcaster that you see is kind of filling that mantle i watched
2: yeah. the 500 the year the daytona 500 the year Gordon made his analyst debut, yeah. I expected that he would be very good and would put some pressure on Daryl to do a little more homework. Um, <laughs> and that was pretty much the way it yeah. seemed Kinda to work yeah. out. There, yeah. yeah, that was what
0: the fans were saying too. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Um, Twitter had a lot of fun with that one. You could see that coming because Jeff just got all the tools. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I think the funniest thing I've seen in a long time racing related thing was Gordon's get up for burning man yeah i mean that just kn- great. that just knocked me out yeah <laughs> thought, you know, yeah what, what a cool I guy. was just showing this to people the
0: other day in SEMA, and they couldn't believe what I they're like what? I have no Jeff? idea what you're talking
1: about. He went to burning man? This year? He actually went to burning man. Oh yeah
0: and like did it right. Like really? he's in DJ booths with like famous DJs,
1: like up there. Really? He's dressed the part. He's like dropping acid, and well, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't but, know about that. But <laughs> he, but he to, looks like he yeah. looks
0: like a GQ model. Like every really? outfit he's got on, it's like a Hollywood director is like, all right, we got to make this guy sexy as hell and okay. look the part. Yeah, oh, yeah. He's got Good like the him. the vintage aviator goggles with like. He's a, committed. Like, I mean, it's yeah. epic. You're yeah. like, okay, yeah. you're still the coolest guy ever. Yeah, yeah.
2: Cool. yeah. One of my favorite Gordon stories is actually an Earnhardt story. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs and I guess if I'm going to tell you an Earnhardt story, I have to go back to the beginning. Yes, please. TBS did the T- Turner Broadcasting Superstation. WTBS did the 600. Was then the World 600? I think yeah. at Charlotte for several years. That was one of their earliest NASCAR properties, including the year that Earnhardt collided with Bodine and got parked in the pits for five laps right. and squire was anchoring and i was in the, the pit community the stp pit communication center which was a very good excuse it didn't have any particular pit communication but it did have stp logos for which they paid i'm sure a lot of money, yeah a lot yeah. of money yeah. and so my job was just to have something to say whenever they came to the pit yeah. communication center so here's Earnhardt. They pulled him down pit road, and he's stopped. And nobody knows exactly what's going on, except there's an official standing in front of the car with his arms crossed, and the field goes by, and yeah. <laughs> the field goes by again. And they kept him there for five laps. And Squire is is doing this kind of mealy-mouth, <laughs> we don't really know what's going on here. And I finally decided that I needed to talk. <laughs> so... <laughs> They threw it down to me, and I said, "Well, Ken, I think it's kind of obvious what's going on here." Yesterday, in the in the Bush race, Earnhardt punted Bodine. You know, that just the classic knock yeah. into the right. you know left rear quarter panel, spun him out in turn two, and came back today in the Cup race and did exactly the same thing. And it seems to me that NASCAR is probably sending Earnhardt a message that he needs to stop doing that. Well. <clears throat> well we were still <clears throat> Motor Week Illustrated was still on the air at that mm-hmm. point. <clears throat> so we send a crew to Childress shop Monday to get reaction to this big story. Yeah. And Schelmerdeen was a crew chief, Kurt Schelmerdeen, and he does a very, you know, typical Kurt Schelmerdeen good interview, good information, good answers. And then says, we're finished. And, uh, you, you know, I could just picture the crew starting to break down. He says, hold on just a second. Keep that thing running. Come here. And walked through a door into the main part of the shop. And the entire team were standing there in formation. Yeah. And Shelmerdine walked up into the middle and said, you got that thing turned on? Can you see everybody? Yeah. Yeah. You around the voice. And in one voice, they all go, Spain." Kiss my ass. (laughs) Which I thought was just wonderful. And of course, we we aired it on the show with with the appropriate bleep. Right, right. And after that, immediately after that, shortly after that, I went to ESPN. I don't know. I went away from NASCAR. I didn't cover NASCAR forever. Had no contact with Earnhardt. So however many years later, I ended up doing the pre-race show. For ESPN 2 for all the NASCAR races and I go to Daytona and I'm going to see Earnhardt for the first time and my last contact with him was right? kiss kiss us (laughs) in the appropriate spot so I find him he's by himself not doing anything I walk up introduce myself I don't know who you are I haven't seen you for a long time what have you been doing I told him what about you what have you been doing winning championships I said yeah I've noticed I keep up a little bit we just have this little nice polite chat nothing ugly about it and from that moment until the end of that show and i think i did it for two full seasons earnhardt went out of his way to be nice yeah. to be funny to pick on me to try to yeah. embarrass me right, right i mean he'd come up and goose me in the middle of the yeah. stand up yeah, or yeah, yeah. cutting for y'all just all that earnhardt clowning around right, right. And the network just loved it because yeah. the fans just of loved course. it. Of course, of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah. real personality. They send, they he knows what do you, what do you got going with Earnhardt? How yeah, Because yeah. he wouldn't do that with a lot of people. Sure, sure. I yeah. said, I have no clue yeah. where that's coming from. No yeah. idea. So that leads to the Gordon story, and it was the year. Oh, this was what? this was later. We weren't doing the pre-race show anymore. Anyway. I don't even remember what year it was. Earnhardt got upside down on the backstretch at Daytona, beat the car all up. Got in the ambulance, saw that it was back on its wheels and had the wheels on yeah, it, yeah, yeah. got back in it and drove Famous it back one. around, and everybody went crazy. <clears throat> well, that, that crash started, of course, with Gordon taking the air off his spoiler, yeah. and he went in the wall, and that yeah. it triggered the crash. So the next week, I go by Earnhardt's garage for whatever reason, just to say hi, mostly, and he's in the hollow all by himself. I stuck my head in. Can I come in? Sure. Well, I got a question. Well, what happened? <laughs> what do you mean, last Sunday? I said, yeah. Little son of a bitch wrecked me and never touched me. Yeah. He had, he had this, this gleam in his eye that I can only describe as utter admiration. Right. I mean, this right. this, yeah, this yeah, was yeah. a guy who knew a lot about wrecking right, people, right. and he had learned something from the little son of a bitch. Right? Yeah. That's really, really good. That's awesome. And, and it's just him and me, and yeah. I'm really, really glad this moment happened. Right, right.
0: <laughs> so we had dinner last night with uh, Todd Bodine and his lovely wife janet who accurately guessed sean's age
1: right wow it, yeah 30. No, oh wow go ahead it's okay i'm not gonna judge you're you're on the right path i have no clue just say it
0: i have no clue
2: you, I, I mean, you started I with
1: 30 you're on the right path
2: yeah that's leading the witness i yeah. literally look at people sometimes and, and wonder if is that husband and wife like, would she be his daughter or? that's yeah, happening okay, at the well, table well,
0: over your left shoulder and I'm yeah. trying to figure it out it's killing me and the older you, you
2: know the older you get the harder it is that's a good example yeah no yeah, I'm exactly. like I'm literally like I have no wow, idea what's, what's happening over there
1: uh, Janet thought I was 52 52? You're yeah.
2: learn 52 you're nowhere near 50. so so did Eddie Gossage yeah Eddie Gossage thought I was 52 <laughs> He's as well 77
0: now is he Eddie Gossage yeah <laughs> I think he thought you guys were the same we age. thought we were like the same age like
1: alright fine yeah
0: so Tabodine who is now doing TV stuff, you know, once a week on mm-hmm. uh, Fox Sports for NASCAR. He wanted to know what's the craziest answer
2: you ever got from one of your interviews. It would be any answer from John Force. <laughs> yes. No matter what yes. the question <laughs> okay, is, right? Good. You're you you, Here we know, go. you just you've opened the door yeah. on the crazy palace and yeah. you <laughs> have no idea.
1: <laughs> that is a big void in our lineup we is keep the John trying Force to get him. One. We want to see that. that
2: one. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean it's just It's fascinating to me because I've seen him. I've had rare glimpses of him away from that. Yeah. When he was dealing with serious issues, and he's very different. Yeah. So it's obviously a persona that exists as a function Mm -hmm. of his being a racing star, and 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 you get that. I mean, it goes back to the whole business of celebrity. When you're famous, your life changes. And there's always the question is, how, how different is the famous person from yeah. the, the real person? But for force, and it may just be a function of how long he's been doing it, it's, it's really become who he is. Yeah. You know? I mean, he, unless it's a really... I, and again, it's not like I hang out with John, but unless it's a really serious issue or matter he's in character and you yeah. realize you know yeah. yeah
1: there's not an off switch here yeah
2: exactly Yeah. so craziest probably uh, anything john force says <laughs> any, yeah any answer yeah. that any answer that comes yeah. from John. Ford. that's an
1: acceptable answer
0: sure so janet bodine chipped in with uh, you rode an enduro bike over to ray dunlap's house and back to athens yeah yeah and they were both wondering if you got butt chap and how far you rode that thing and then we looked it up that you rode
2: from charlotte to alaska alaska yeah i mean technically it's not an enduro bike although i guess guys it's 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 what they call a dual sport yeah. bike Meaning yeah. you can ride on a pavement and in dirt. sure and uh mine is basically a street bike and i did not get butt chap <laughs> um on the relatively short ride from charlotte to athens right May have gotten a little bit chapped on the 7,500-mile ride from Georgia to the Arctic Circle right. in Alaska. That was a long haul. Oh, a we, lot of fun yeah. though. Cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I uh, I enjoy that kind of that kind of stuff. I yeah. like I like going a long way, and uh, I like going places where there aren't any other people. Right. Where you look around and go. I sure hope nothing goes wrong <laughs> here. Right. Because if so, I'm going to re- be required I'm, I'm, to. It's going to be a problem. I'm going to have to dig into my bag of resource for it right. to come up with a solution. So sort of along the same theme of
0: Todd Bedine's question, wind tunnel is obviously a really big deal for, I'd, I'd say, all of racing because we finally had a voice that wasn't a, wasn't a robot up there running the show. And then you had Robin Miller come on, who's also obviously not a robot. So it's kind of like letting the two guys that are going to say what they feel and think actually get to say what they feel and think. And we were listening to highlights and watching highlights.
1: I am surprised we're, we're even here right now because yeah. you clearly Dale, or didn't like Dale Jr. Yeah. And that bothered me. Yeah. You talk about um, NASCAR
0: way too much or not enough. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I have opinions and yours aren't mine, therefore you You're have awful. a bias. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. and And I always enjoyed that and maybe even at some point might have been a little bit of an instigator or oh, yeah. provocateur or yep. whatever because I think that's fun. Well, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 feel like, I feel
1: like if you're on, I don't want to say our side of the fence, but if you're on our side of the fence where you're kind of, you feel like if you're in on the joke, there's a, a look you would give when it's the crazy ranting yeah, fan yeah. that's coming with like, no base. So like, oh. like, I'm on his yeah. side. Let's, let's just yeah. see where this goes, right. you know? Yeah, um,
0: one guy in particular was, was disappointed that the industry had named Dale Earnhardt Sr. Dale Earnhardt Sr. Oh, yeah. And you're like, well, isn't that how it works when you name your son the same name? He becomes a junior, you become a senior, and he's like, no! And then he had some other crazy idea like <laughs> to spell his name differently or something, and, and your response was beautiful because you go... Well, that is the part of the show we love, that where people can call in and just say whatever they want to say. <laughs> like, that is the only way to answer that. Because, like, you don't want to call him an idiot.
2: <laughs> you guys you guys have no doubt seen the bit or heard the bit where the lady calls into the talk show complaining about where they put the deer crossings. What? What? About, about where they put the deer crossings. No. Yes. They, they, they put the deer crossings in places where the deer get hurt yeah. and hit. So yeah. Why don't they put them in places where the deer won't get hit or hurt? I have no concept of, of
1: what this was or what? Like, yeah, right. So, okay, so on that level then, okay, I don't know, but I assume you're getting more than one call at a time in terms of people coming through and you've got screeners. So what's the what's the criterion? Are you looking for that, you know, out of like, it's like one out of every five has to be that guy. It has to be wow. crazy. Yeah. It's
2: a t- you know, that was the... Because, like,
1: if it's deer crossing, if, if we're on a similar page, it sounds like we're like, yeah, yeah, they're getting on. Yeah, we I, I'm going to need that guy after, yeah, yeah. after the serious um, question. What, but you yeah. can't yeah. have them all like
2: that. What you, what you need <laughs> to understand is the process, which we never figured out, which is the call screening because you got, you know, line after line, however many lines we had all backed up. So there's somebody in there answering, you know, as fast as possible. What do you, what do you want to talk about? And so the calls that got through – were very much a reflection of who was call screening that week, and it was never the same person two ah. weeks in a row. Oh no, kidding! Yeah. Okay, interesting. There were, there were you know three How or would... four associate producers, and they all had different roles during the show, and sort of arbitrarily, one of them would be quote on phones. Yeah, right, right. And there was no science to it. There was no, and I had this, <laughs> fo- this phone that had a screen that had a two line, a two word. Description. Oh,
1: wow. So two words or two less words or right. on and what this two call is going to be about. So you have no idea. It's a deer, right. deer, 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 deer crossing. And deer. a, rating, and a okay. rating number. Okay. So, so final decision was you, not somebody saying it's going to be this guy.
2: Yeah, and a okay. lot of it was just looking at it going, how am I supposed to make a decision based you're, on What that? does that mean? You're yeah. it. You know, yeah, you're, right. You're yeah, the yeah. guy. Right. Okay. The other thing people forget is that phone calls were not a big part of the show for right. most of its life. Yeah, right. right. Management had a very – wide-ranging view of phone calls during the 11 years we were yeah. on the air, and I don't have any idea what their criteria <laughs> would have been from sure. from week to week. Sure. You yeah. know, some weeks the we like phone calls guy was in charge, and some weeks <laughs> the we hate phone calls guy <laughs> were in charge. And yeah. we're just, you know, we're just like the puppet at the end of the string. Like, right. Okay, right. they jerked this one this week. That's so, amazing. Yeah. I, mean, I it like was, phone calls it, guy. It, 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 it wasn't literally week to week, But, right. it, but it wasn't it, like there was a, a consistent there was template no to this whole deal. You know, yeah, the whole yeah. show. Uh, I had gone to Speed Vision to be their motorcycle guy, and when it became Speed, I don't remember exactly how the transition worked. Doesn't matter. I had just built a house here in Athens and was doing the motorcycle show, which was produced in Atlanta, which was very convenient. Had. Never been to Charlotte, I don't think, at that point. I'd never set foot in the corporate offices. They hired me over the phone, sent me a contract. I looked at it, signed it, sent it back. I did shows. They sent me checks. They called me and said, good news and bad news. We're canceling your motorcycle show. We're replacing it with a talk show that uh, will air on Monday night. Monday night or Sunday night. I think it started on Monday night. And we'll talk about everything that happened during the weekend in racing. And it'll be live in Charlotte. I went, boy, I wish you guys had called me eight months ago. I'd have built my house in Charlotte instead of building it (laughs) three and a half hours from Charlotte, which I just did. Uh, That was pretty much the extent of the show idea. We want Despain to do a talk show about racing on Monday and talk about whatever. They gave me a producer who did a sensational job of getting off the uh, show off the ground and who later became the only producer that I could not work with. He and I just didn't click. But we looked at each other and said, well, what do you think we should do? Well, we should do some fan stuff. Okay. What? Emails? Phone calls, maybe? Can we do phone calls? Well, I don't know. we will find out. We'll have to have phones and lines and stuff like that. I mean, we had no idea. Uh, What about guests? What if we got guests? We could get like famous people to come on and we'd interview. That'd be a good idea. Who could we get? Well, Chip Ganassi was in the news that week because he was moving back to the IRL. Why don't we see if we can get Chip Ganassi for the first show? And we did. So it just just evolved with no game plan whatsoever. It's like, well, we probably ought to start off with Some kind of a summary of what happened on the weekend. Hot topics. Oh, that's clever. Uh, So we had hot topics. You know, it just, there was no plan to it whatsoever. Right. Which was fine. I mean, it made it kind of fun. We just went wherever we wanted to. But sometimes including phone calls and sometimes not. What about guests? Like, when they, is there
0: anybody, I mean, almost everybody these days, especially, is like pretty cleaned up and they're not going to say anything out of line or you know inappropriate was there any guests that you ever had where you're like actually nervous that they might say something you're going to have to like save like "Eh, commercial yeah
2: I never worried about that too much because I figured it was on them okay yeah Yeah. Yeah. if a person comes on my show and makes an answer especially knowing it's live his or herself that's you know yeah Terry Bradshaw Fox he was a car owner, I think, for about 15 minutes once. And, you know, he Fox guy, obviously. Yeah, right. And yeah. so we're a Fox network. And, oh, we want you to have Terry Bradshaw on the show. Yeah, okay. Yeah, right. You know, that'll be good for ratings. Sure, and people stuff. will watch. So they send the satellite truck to some golf club. And Terry comes straight from the 19th hole, where he'd been apparently for several hours. Right. To the chair and has just fallen down drunk. <laughs> and we get through about... Two questions and go to commercial. So I go to commercial, and during the commercial, they said give him one more question, and if it's horrible, that's it. Thank, thank him you. and say goodbye. Right, and it was, and so <laughs> I, I thanked him and said goodbye, right. and that was the end of it. The other memorable non racing interview was with Gene Simmons. I remember,
1: I was going to bring that one up because it was so painful because it was such the wrong audience to do what he was doing, but I'll let you go. The wrong audience,
2: and well, I mean, he was the wrong guy for the job in the first place, you know, and and obviously had just ripped them off. I mean, they, they. I mean,
1: that interview, you're asking, I mean, this is. A racing show for racers on Speed Network, right? And he's giving you the most benign IndyCar sound right. like Dave. Yeah. What you don't know <laughs> is these cars can go upside down. You yeah. know, like exactly. okay, yeah, we know, dude. Exactly. But, yeah.
2: We know all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. we've been and, here since the '70s. Yeah, <laughs> and, and so it was it was pretty painful, but we were making progress, and it was real obvious what was happening. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was just got of using just enough of the grin to let the folks at home know like but, you're yeah, he's really not getting away with this <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then we got to his point because at that time it was such a hot topic that when and with the you know the, the the greatest thing of all is all these promising rising stars among the american drivers like and i don't remember the list at the time but the third or fourth name Was Dan Weldon? Yeah, and And promising young American, Kentucky. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait wait wait, Wait a minute, Gene. Dan Weldon's British. And he just went off. He just went crazy. Like, yes. Oh, yeah. You're picking it. you expecting you it. You're such elitist. And yada. 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 No, <laughs> no. Elitism actually, has nothing to do with it. He's actually you said Dan yeah. Weldon just, is an American. Just, and maybe, he's not. Yeah. So, <laughs> sorry. Right. And he just basically quit. He said, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, done yeah. with you guys. It was hilarious. It was wonderful. Yeah. We got uh, yeah.
0: you know Joey Hand, Dan Dan Weldon. <laughs>
1: I think one of my favorites, like we were doing some YouTube clips this morning of just seeing random things. I think one of my favorites is Brad Keselowski when yeah. he won because he was. Hammered. He was pretty tanked yeah. by was, this point. Yeah. Awesome. And but so, like, if. It handled
2: awesome. it, I thought really well. well. It's, it's like I in mean, your he was position. just the guy having fun. Yeah. Yeah. Celebrating, yeah. and everybody was celebrating with him. Yeah. It was. It yeah. was fun. Yeah. yeah. That was kick ass. He was. He got a little close to the edge a couple times, but it. Yeah, I had no. I had no problem. I forgot to
0: mention this earlier, but just to defend him on a slight level, like how long are those races? Oh yeah, yeah, it's a you're dehydrated already. Dehydrated. So, Like like, they don't get champagne normally. Yeah. And we do, and And even in like a short sports car race, when you get champagne, take a couple swigs off the bottle, you're like, okay, I'm a little giggly, you know. And he was drinking like Miller Lights, like like it was a sponsor. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like he's putting them down. Yeah. I love that. I love that interview.
1: Speaking of which, uh, so as Wind Tunnel went on, the, uh, Fox took over Speed, which I think was part of that, your show, and then and then Fox took on the NASCAR contract, so NASCAR started becoming a bigger and bigger part of Wind Tunnel. You always, from what I know, uh, made a very conscious effort to make sure it was all-encompassing so we of all yeah. yeah. which yeah. a guy like me or Ryan absolutely loved. Yeah. Um,
2: and that was not easy to do.
1: But that was my question. Was that a fight? To, to try and keep it as sort of well rounded as you did.
2: Well, again, you know, when you get the call from, uh, you know, from the corporate suites in Daytona suggesting that you should be pulled off the air yeah. uh, or at least fire the host or at a minimum don't talk about NASCAR anymore, then that, you know, that yeah, that constitutes a certain amount of pressure. Um, again, bless his heart, my boss stood up for me and for the show. It was, you have to remember that. We perceived ourselves as a fan show, yeah. and the reality is there are more NASCAR fans than any other kind of fans, racing fans, in America. Even now, right. with the you know, with the depressed ratings around, and empty true. seats yeah. and yeah. all the things that we hear about every week. So, just as a matter of course, back to the phone call thing, you know, part of part of the identifier would often be. Um, NASCAR sucks or <laughs> you know <laughs> right IRL cheerleader. Yeah. That that would be the sum the, the two-word summation that I would get. And it was not at all uncommon to look down and there'd be seven H. NASCAR Johnson. calls yeah, right. and one other kind of call. Right. So you kind of have to honor that yeah. to a certain extent. Yeah. You know? But from the beginning, back to Motor Week Illustrated, I mean we arbitrarily made the decision. We're gonna cover everything. Yeah. yeah. And we did. Yeah. And that's just the that's the rules of our little game here. Yeah. In reality a lot of it was we're gonna cover whatever we can get video of because yeah. then it was yeah. a very different yeah, world different than it is now. Yeah. But um, that's been part of my racing makeup from day one. Yeah. I just I I think it's all interesting. Yeah. If I have a very hard time understanding how anybody could be a fan of NASCAR racing. And not be at all interested in dirt racing because yeah. they're, they're, they're just a lot of. They're
0: just part of this show for us has been trying to cross the bridge for a lot of people that wouldn't necessarily listen to a NASCAR interview mm. or, or an IndyCar interview because we're primarily sports car racing people, and it's been really rewarding to have sports car or sorry NASCAR fans say, like, yeah, I'd never watched a sports car race before, but after I saw that, I started watching, yeah. and it's cool. It's neat, yeah. you know? And then also, like, talking to Bobby Allison, he was telling us how he went to Indy to race for Penske, and he wasn't treated well by mm-hmm. mechanics and things like that. And, like, there is a real rivalry there. You know, yeah. there was a real struggle for some people, and we don't see why it should be that way. That's why we try to get
2: yeah. everybody we can. It's, it's so unfortunate that I mean, that's one of the worst things about modern-day racing is the way it's evolved and become so specialized, and so you just you don't have those great stories yeah. of, you know, winning yeah, right. this race and then right. jumping in the plane and go winning a sports right. car race, yeah. and, you know, Gurney and Foy de Lamont, all those other yeah. great yeah. great stories. You don't you don't have that anymore, and I think that's racing's loss. I understand it, they' you know, but it doesn't make it any easier to s- swallow. Plus, it makes old guys like me, you know interested in digging back into the archives and yeah and reading kind of about that, that stuff as yeah. opposed to you know who won the
1: the most recent infinity
2: on extremity whatever it's called race so at, close at <laughs> Texas, <laughs> you know? no you got uh, it you got it yeah, sure yeah um
1: speaking of uh, uh wind tunnel the uh so do you know what your most famous uh, like most downloaded youtube clip from wind tunnel is probably the rant the rant yeah, yeah. so I don't actually know the background behind that. Um, was that staged? I thought it was staged, but maybe I'm wrong. Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That yeah. wasn't just you just going no, off on an anecdote.
2: It's interesting because the provocateur behind that was the aforementioned producer okay. that I didn't get along with, and that was the last show we did together. Oh, ah, cool. We had looked each other in the eye and said this didn't work. And yeah. End of you know, end of relationship. We'll get through this show. I mean, you know, we were civil and all that. We just didn't get this along. This wasn't working. Yeah. So the producer who's doing his last show, and I who hope I am not doing my last show, have a meeting very late in the process. This, was, this came to him, I think we were a Sunday night then, and he came to me middle of Sunday afternoon and said, I got an idea. What's that? He said, you ought to finish the show by just going crazy, like <laughs> Howard Beale. Is that his name? Yeah. In network, yeah the network, the movie same. that – you yeah, guys right. don't remember? So, yeah, um, say, for anyone under 40. Just, uh, go, just go nuts and go yeah. off on everybody. Yeah. Everything that annoys you or has annoyed you in the last year, sum it all up in however long it takes and just fill it with profanity. And then <laughs> huh? we'll bleep it. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll record it, and then we'll bleep it, and it'll be hilarious. And I looked at him and I said, it'll either be hilarious or it'll make me look like the biggest TV asshole ever. And he said, no, 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 no. Everybody will get the joke. Everybody will get the joke. I thought about it for quite a while. And I thought, it's, it'll really be funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it'll really be and funny. And you can finally actually let it out. Yeah, and, right, yeah. You know, maybe for those people who don't get it, who cares? Yeah. So we did it. Yeah. And it was hilarious.
0: <laughs> With uh, the current trend of automotive going electric, and now bikes are starting to see some potential for that as well, is that interesting to you at
2: all, or is that something that you've... I don't know what to think about it. That's exactly what I feel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's very hard to not hear it, yeah. you know, to imagine what silent motorcycles are oh, like. Right, right. right. Um, that said, I hate loud... Motorcycles, <laughs> right? I mean, guys who run up and down just making noise for the sake of making noise drive me crazy. Yeah, I'd right. a lot rather listen to their chains than their exhaust pipes, uh, and maybe will be soon if Harley right. goes like they think they're going to go with the live wire, whatever they're yeah, calling it. Yeah, that's what it's called. Um, you know, and it, it gets all into all the associated arguments about where the electricity comes from and is it really green and, and all the rest of that, but. Whatever, I, I however, wherever you fit on that spectrum, I don't think you can deny that it's going to happen. Um, the electrification yeah. of transportation is right. a done deal. Yeah. So if you're clinging to your obsession with internal combustion, that's all you're doing. Right. You're, just, you're clinging to it for the sake of nostalgia, and that's okay. Yeah. I mean, you know. Like, I, I, I don't have any problem with that. I'll probably be among the clingers when they, uh, <laughs> when all the adventure bikes are electric. I'll be the guy going, wait a minute, yeah, where, right. where am I going to plug this thing in yeah. on the road up to Prudhoe Bay? That's yeah, not- exactly. Where's the where's the spot to stop?
1: So you were in the Motorcycle Hall of Fame, and then you recently kind of rescinded that based on. I the- tried, but it tried turns to. out
2: it turns out you cannot resign from the Hall of Fame. Once once you're in the Hall of Fame, you're in. You can send back your medal, and you can very publicly disparage the organization and the people making the decisions. But when you click on the website, you're in. There. You're still in there, right? And, and so, <laughs> so but, I'm in. So
1: but you don't. But you're but you're still unhappy with with this Navi Clark issue.
2: Well, I mean, I'm over it. I don't. Okay. I don't pout over things <laughs> like that. I I said my piece and. Right. I was proud of the fact that Kenny Roberts and Dick Mann and, you know, some guys yeah. that I consider to be heroes felt the same way about yeah. it that I did. That's, that's enough for me. Okay. I don't, you know, I don't need to beat that horse anymore. Okay. Because
1: um, basically Navi Clark, and because I, I can't pretend to be a motorcycle expert, but he had like 17 combined championships as a tuner. Yeah, over the over the years yeah. in the sixties and seventies, and you know, ran with guys like uh, Kostar like and Kenny Roberts, and Kenny Roberts and the and, list goes on. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 but uh,
2: and got into a business dispute with a guy, and depending on who you believe, wasn't getting paid. So he took some parts as payment, and then he, when he was nominated for the Hall of Fame, it blew up into this big
1: into this he was stealing and selling yeah, parts. Kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all, so all of a
2: sudden, there are all these stories about Bobby Clark, which I thought. You know, knowing knowing the, a little about the guy with it in, on the other side of the dispute, I was inclined to believe Nobby's version of it, and in any case, felt that it was kind of a fart in the windstorm compared to his... Well,
1: yeah, that doesn't undermine player, the fact right. the guy won as many championships as he won. So, but.
2: so, you know, they put it, they invite him, and then they uninvite him, and I just thought it was disrespectful. And I think the people who run that organization, not so much the Hall of Fame, but the AMA or not the kind of people I want to associate with. So I tried to unassociate myself <laughs> and failed.
4: Yeah.
1: And they're like, yeah, you're still on the website. So, all right. Makes sense. So you're now retired. Which, by the, having
2: said all that, yeah. at, at the risk of sounding ha- hypocritical, still makes me proud. Absolutely. I mean, for a guy to be in the Motorcycle Hall of Fame, that's, that's a pretty cool yeah. thing. Well, you did win that amateur race. Yeah. I won, I won, I won, yeah, 35 I won dollars. that $35. So. I, <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, Roger Hayden. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think movies are his thing. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and probably me too, to some extent. To me, there's only one, and that's On Any Sunday. Yeah. Okay. The list could be. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But it, it it does a really good job, I think, of capturing. It goes back to themes we discussed earlier about Motor Week Illustrated and Wind Tunnel. The universality—is that a word? Yeah. Um,
1: Dave Despain said so.
2: Racing is racing is racing. Yeah. It doesn't matter in the end whether what the vehicle is, or you know how it's powered, or all the rest of that. It's all about the stopwatch. You know, how do you get from there to back here the fastest? Yeah. And it requires, you know, fascinating technological stuff. But ultimately, it comes down to what's in the head, what's between the ears, of he or she who's willing to go out and try to go faster. Right. And that, to me, is fascinating stuff. I don't care how many wheels, or you or know, whatever keels right. or propellers yeah, or whatever. Propellers right, or whatever. Right, right. I mean, it's <laughs> it's all the same. Right. And yeah, I think. On any Sunday, in, in the context of motorcycling, captures that very effectively, and it doesn't take a big leap to substitute all manner of cars and airplanes and boats and, and all the God things knows that what people, else. Right. people race.
1: All right. Do you want to um, be an elite company?
2: <laughs> Do I want to be elite Yeah, like you're
1: in the Model Motorcycle Hall of Fame and all that.
2: My sense but- is that I'm already an elite company here at the National... On a Thursday night, that you're 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 close. Is there more, there more is with other people? Yes. There there I'm are clear. only
1: two other people who've had this this very unique distinction. We have a uh, Mr. Dario Franchitti because he has a beautiful accent, and Mr. Mario Andretti because he's Mario Andretti. Uh, we asked them if they could recite some of our favorite rap lyrics. Favorite what? Rap lyrics. <laughs> rap. And, <laughs> and and we just wanted well, to hear the. When the, we
0: realized that we were getting Dave to Spain, a very very famous voice. <laughs> Uh huh. And you don't have to wrap them. You can just read. Yeah. You can just read them as Dave described. They're on paper. Uh, they're on a phone. Yeah, Do you have yours. Bring them up you here. You probably real don't real have
2: paper, paper anymore. <laughs> paper. What, what is this? Paper. <laughs> oh my God. Uh,
1: are you familiar with Kanye West? Yes. <laughs> are you a fan? I'm going to say yes.
2: No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, um, no. Are you familiar? Well, I mean, no. I don't. I don't listen to. I don't listen to music anymore. I listen. What? To, I listen to audio books. Really? I listen to music. Okay incessantly I mean I know the lyrics to probably 75% of Bob Dylan's catalog somehow I bet he was a Dylan guy yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and I mean I went through the country western phase I went through okay. you know used to used to have helmet speakers and listened to every mile that I could. rode a motorcycle well, I don't we're gonna, listen to music we're gonna at all anymore I listen to audio to
1: audiobooks only we're going to convert you Okay. <laughs> we're going to turn you into fan. Um, we, most people would know him as Kanye West. For me, it's well, Yay. Actually,
0: before we do Kanye, we're going to do uh, Pring D and, and J.B. Smooth. our boy J.B. Yeah. Um,
1: are you familiar with the Dario Franchitti rap song? No. Okay, this is a real thing. I'm yeah. not making this up. Yeah. This uh, is a rap song yeah, performed a, by Dario? No, no, you know, no. no. Yeah. It was uh, a couple of guys out of Southern Virginia. Uh, we're actually friends with one of them now, J.B. Lynch and uh, Preem D. They... Unannounced, made a rap song about Dario Franchitti that I'll, I'll give you a little insight. Has nothing to do with Dario Franchitti, but it seemed to rhyme. Yeah, right. <laughs> and right. It, 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 it went through the uh, IndyCar panic uh, like a firestorm. Oh, I would imagine. Uh, yeah. Dario, not a fan. Weird. Yeah, not yeah. a fan. Yeah, he of, didn't, they of didn't exactly clear it with him or anything. All of a sudden, there was this song that he didn't ask to be written in his honor. Yeah. But uh, we yeah. want to see if uh, if we can get some. Yeah. So experience. each
0: line is its own, you know, kind of stanza. Yeah. So just. Starting at the top there,
1: so this is this is uh, JB Lynch and uh, Prem D. <laughs> yeah, Prem D.
2: As you know, who really needs to be doing this? Mark Martin. Oh yeah, oh yeah. He, Martin, he's huge on rap. rap all time. Yeah. rap.
1: What
0: was his? Uh, he had a he had a name he used. It was uh, Epic Swag. That, that <laughs> was Mark Martin's rap name. <laughs> really? He had it on the race car. <laughs> oh, I'm Epic all in. Epic Swag. I'm I way in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
2: So so this is so the Dario first. French the first one is Kitty On
1: all the rest are uh, Kanye West. Yeah.
2: Well, I don't know how to approach this.
1: <laughs> you can say, first of all, you can say no. Uh, second of all, you can change the words. Or just read it. Or just read it it's as like is. poetry. Yeah. It's, yeah. It is uh, I'm trying
2: to imagine myself as a rapper, and I can't oh, quite you don't have get to. Oh, no, 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 you, you can know? just do it as David's Mario made. just read his lyrics like yeah. just,
1: I'm reading lyrics. And uh, it was internet gold. Yeah.
2: yeah. I spread too much love. Haters can't keep up with me. I like to eat good Caesar salads and baked ziti. I got to step light when I mob through the city. I still move swift like Dario Franchitti. Boom, Dario Franchitti. Yeah,
1: there Dario it
3: is. Dario Franchitti.
1: That's amazing. That is it. commitment, happy. it's the commitment. I'm happy. The rest, and again, you don't have to do any of them. But these are uh, yay, <laughs> yay as he's done on the streets, or Jesus.
2: What's what's the big Kanye West uh, controversy at the moment? Oh, <laughs> oh, I don't know. It depends on I what day it is. It's uh, yeah. what is it, oh, Thursday. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> So this is all. Uh, These are all Kanye. Oh, I'm not going to read this. This has dirty words in it. <laughs> Ball so hard, that shit cray, ain't it, Jay? Ball so hard, what she order fish fillet? I think I just fell in love with a porn star. Turn the camera on. She a porn star. Porn star. I mispronounced that. That's fine. Turn, turn the corner a foreign car. Call the corners. Do the CPR. I quit. This sucks. You suck. <laughs> all right. my God. This
1: is, uh, this is a segment that never fails. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. All to right.
0: the, like, once a weekend, a fan will come up and say, Man, when Mario read those rap <laughs> lyrics, <laughs> it was the greatest thing ever. We're like, Yeah. Yeah. The thing is, is like, he's in rap songs. Yeah. You know, like, new we, rap songs, people still put Mario and in
1: and that's where we got the idea. <laughs> yeah. We're like, Let's see if he's in a song. We literally had him say lines with him in it.
2: Yeah. That's yeah. oh, it's funny. Yeah. yeah. Mario's a good guy. Yeah. I like Mario. Oh, yeah. yeah. like he gave it. us four hours.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Just awesome. And yeah. didn't see, like, he did his homework. Yes, yeah. he because yeah. he's like, so I like what you guys do. You drive around the country. We're like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah, you know he knows what we're doing? Yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. He, he wears the uh, elder statesman mantle very comfortably. Yeah, incredibly well. Yeah. yeah, which for a guy of his you know, competitive nature, that's probably not easy to do. He's, he's getting up there now. Yeah, like yeah. What yeah. is he, 80? He's getting close. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, he might so be I, You know, I mean, there's a mellowing but process. In, in fairness,
1: but he's still one of the highest paid IndyCar drivers.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Rightly <But>, so. Yeah. <laughs> People assume when you're on television yeah, that you like make that. millions. Right. And for the most part, racing, I mean, I think I came along at exactly the right time. Yeah. Because A, I got to learn from the guys we talked about yeah. when they were in their prime. B, I got to see all the expansion and be part of the expansion of the coverage of racing right. from the point where you waited weeks and maybe got to see a little bit of something, to now having the problem we've discussed yeah. of oversaturation. Yeah. You know, I got to see the early part of that, which was the best part. Yeah. yeah. And I got to be the beneficiary of the the the, the economy. When there was still a premium on quote talent right. in the television sense, yeah. oh he's talent, meaning you're an announcer, you're on right. the yeah, air. Yeah, yeah. Right, you right. know there was, and it was still low-end cable, which is right. a long way from you know what Chris Schenkel or whatever his name is makes for or made for doing the Indy 500. Right. But, you know, it was it was a good job. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that has deteriorated. In the latter part of my career, yeah. when I was fortunate enough to have wind tunnel, didn't have to worry about it. Yeah. Um, to the point now where I would not do, I would not follow that career path uh, today.
1: Yeah, the money's I mean, all the yeah, money's yes. all podcasting now. <laughs> <laughs> <We're> yeah,
2: <so laughs> yes. the exactly <laughs> yeah. Oh, you guys, yeah. you guys, and I mean you two guys specifically and particularly have pretty well taken all the fun out of it for those of us who. Wanted to make a living at it. Right, and right. And now you've sucked all the juice You're damn out right we out yeah. have to spend. You're welcome. So.
0: <laughs> um, Sean and I interviewed a lovely young man named Alex Bowman last year who uh, took over the 88 from Dale Jr. And he told us about the Chili Bowl. And he doesn't get to race in it because he's a Hendrick guy now. But he, I think he has two cars that go for two different classes or something. Um, but he told us about the party that is the Chili Bowl. Yeah. So when you were doing Mav TV stuff, did you go and to the event itself?
2: I did. I yeah. hosted the live show right. two years, three years, three years, I guess. Yeah. Um, but probably did not. I sampled the party yeah. scene, Yeah. but my previous experience with party scenes on race weekends has led me to think that the harder you party, the harder it is to be any good yeah, right. on, you know, when it's time. One of the things I admire most about particularly young racers is the ability to just party all night and then <laughs> get up in the morning and go put the helmet on right. and go just as fast right. as you do. By and young
0: racers, you mean Dorsey Schrader. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, yeah, yeah,
2: The stories, you know, I, I doubt that Bowman even has any concept of what it would have been like to be a NASCAR star in the 50s. Right. Pick right, an era. Yeah. yeah sure. You know, I mean, the way those guys behave, yeah. some of the, there's a, there's a story and I can't remember any of it, but it involved <laughs> Cale Yarborough and somebody else of, a, of that same era racing from someplace a long way from Daytona, yeah, yeah. 30 miles back to the hotel in reverse, what? <laughs> you know. And yeah, yeah. You just Bowman's can't that not going to do that, right? Right.
1: right. Yeah. And that's too bad. Yeah. In a way. <laughs> well, you know what's sad about that is, like, we got a pretty good taste of the real Bowman. Yeah, and he he's a would. lot of fun. He probably he just, would, but he Hendricks can't. got the,
2: yeah. the leash on him so tight. Yeah. Sure, which is yeah. you know, and that's yeah. just and like that's you said, one of the big issues yeah. that. That we have this sport. But, it, I mean, it's not just the sport. It's the society that changed. Absolutely. I mean, you cannot get away with that kind of stuff anymore. You can't behave like that. Yeah. And so then a guy like me finds himself in the dis- difficult position of deciding whether It's okay for me to think that that kind of behavior is okay. (laughs) (laughs) Why do you think it's cool that the guy drove real fast all the way from New Smyrna Beach to Daytona in reverse? (laughs) (laughs) It's like if you have to ask the question, you're never going to understand the answer. That's right. (laughs) Awesome.
0: So I would say most of our listeners will know who you are. Um, they
2: better. Yeah, because get it together, <laughs> kids. If not, send them to school. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Do a long introduction. <laughs> right. Right. Establishes Take notes. my credentials. <laughs> Take notes. Um,
0: if there was a legacy you'd want to leave behind to our listeners that might not have known you before
2: today, uh, what would it be? Oh, I'm not sure what a legacy is. I'm proud of the fact that a lot of people from a lot of different racing disciplines liked what I did. I mean, you know, that had I been the best motorcycle racing announcer, journalist, whatever, in the whole wide world, I'd have been happy with that. Uh, To be whatever I am in the motorcycle world, plus all the other things that I got to do, I mean, I'm proud of that. And as much as I joke about, you know, good luck and, and bullshit, uh, I'm proud of the fact that I took Squire's advice and did the homework and showed up when the red light went on had something to say yeah. had the right shirt on, that was always an important part of the business, <laughs> you gotta have the right shirt yeah. logo's gotta be in the right spot um, I'm, I'm proud of all of that Yeah. It's uh, it's been a really, really fun ride and to be able to get to the end and say that Yeah. I don't know how many, you know my dad couldn't have said that right yeah Yeah. punching gloves not so much working at the mill working at the mill yeah could have been worse yeah yeah but knowing that you made a lot of people happy and made them smile and and maybe helped them work i always thought one of the one of the highest compliments was i learned a lot watching your show yeah right I always, that always gave me a warm and fuzzy feeling. We get the exact same response, that and it's the
1: exact same satisfaction. Yeah. So. All right. Well, I think, uh, should we order something for Tony? All right. We got Tony Stewart in the car. Yeah, Tony Stewart's been driving us around the country. It's so we got Last day, too. He's probably ready to go. Yeah. We're going to get some takeout for him.
2: <laughs> but uh, other than
1: that, I'd say Continental's got the check.
2: Now that he's moved into the big time with coffee with Kyle, he won't have the time of day for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> laying it down. <laughs>
1: And we're back.
0: Dude. Dave Despain.
1: Yeah. yeah. As expected, he was awesome. So
0: we predicted Todd Bidon would be exactly how he was, and we did the same thing with Dave Despain. Like, some of the guests, we don't know how they're going to be. But, man, he was a perfect guy. Just like right away, got what we were doing, had some really funny insight to the stories that he was telling that we wouldn't have really known. And also, he uh, kind of likes what we're doing. Kind of said, said he likes that we're ruining the game. Mm. If anybody out there can help us, we're trying to locate uh, one Sam Elliott.
1: Mr. Sam Elliott. <laughs> Mr. How Sam Elliott.
0: Tom Elliott? Uh, if anyone knows how to get a hold of him, we'd love to sit down and have a uh, just a meal. Just a lovely meal with Sam Elliott. And we thought maybe our followers could help us.
1: Otherwise, thank you, Acura, and M- and your MDX for uh, letting us go on the road. And uh, what kind of tires, Ryan?
0: Cat metal tires. Cat metal tire for what you do.
3: There's just no Goddamn way you're wrong Cause you can't afford to be There'll be another just like me Who can do all of the same things One day he'll be gone That's one thing but maybe you're the one who has been forcing it maybe you're the one behind all of it but there's so much for you to be i hope you have trouble finding i'm a scaredy cat you'll see i hate him but i wouldn't hurt a bee